like we said, this is our last and final lesson, and you can see the title of it is Marital Intimacy and Desire. With our first nine lessons, we were able to see bits and pieces of this. We were also able to see how godly women are supposed to behave through the Proverbs 31 woman. We got to see godly women of old. We got to see New Testament job descriptions, and we were able to see that, that God's design for us as women doesn't change at the cross. His example and blueprint for us is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just like Pastor Okwoko says, God's not really concerned with our culture. You know, he's not concerned with how Americans behave. He, we've been called to the kingdom culture, and we should adapt to that regardless if we're from America, if we're from Ghana, Zimbabwe, Nigeria. It's important for us to act the way God wants us to act regardless how everyone around us is acting because kingdoms rise and fall. They come and go, but God's word remains the same forever. We should adapt to that. So our, our curriculum starts out, God designed mankind to have sex. So we can see from the, the first line of our, our lesson, today we're going to talk about sex within the marriage. It's just as much a part of our job as a godly woman to satisfy and, and be intimate with our husband as it is to do his laundry or to clean the, the floors or to pack his lunch or to take care of the kids. And this curriculum is written in three parts. The first part is going to show us as women how to understand our husbands. Why does he behave the way he does? So that we can appreciate the way he behaves and not get mad or irritated at the way he behaves. You know, Pastor Chris and I were talking, he said, example of a lawnmower, you don't get mad at a lawnmower because it can't blow snow. You don't get mad at a lawnmower because it can't chop a tree down. When you know how to properly use and work a lawnmower, you, you use it and work it for what it's designed to do, and you don't get mad at it when it doesn't do other things. And with our husbands, you know, if we can know how he works and he's designed to flow and how God created him to be, in a good way, we'll know how to work him, not to manipulate him, but in a good way. And we won't get mad when he's acting the way God created him to act. We won't get irritated. And then our second part are going to be some scriptures to help us as women to get this in our heart. Because just like with the example I shared with, with me doing laundry, how it's, it's a joy for me now to do laundry after studying this curriculum, the laundry has to get done whether it's a joy for me or not. Satisfying our husband and having intimate time with him should get done whether it's a joy for you or not, but we want it to be a joy. God's word is designed for it to be a joy, for it to be an intimate time with your husband, not just something you do because you know it's the right thing to do, because you want to take care of your husband. You know he has that need to some degree to be satisfied in, in, in sex, so, so you give in. This, that part of our lesson is going to help our heart to want to give in, to even desire it for ourselves as ladies. Because the world will pull and push against God's design, no matter if it's before marriage or after marriage. Before marriage, the world is saying, yes, put your hands on each other. You know, yes, fornicate. You know, yes, do all the stuff contrary to God's word. Sin perverts God's blueprint and design. And then when you get married... Oftentimes, you can let sin come in and dry that desire up, dry that lust up that you had for one another when it was wrong, when you weren't supposed to be lusting and touching one another. 
So we have to make sure that, that we put it in our hearts, God's word, God's blueprint, so that it is a joy for us, so that it is in our hearts, so that it's a pleasing thing for us to do. And we're not just slaves or we're servants. We are, but we want it to be a joy at the same time. So our curriculum, God designed mankind to have a sex drive. Sex is God's idea, and it is good in his sight. God created sex and designed it to be enjoyed only within the realm of marriage. As we mentioned, sin perverts sex and destroys God's beautiful plan. You know, and the devil doesn't care if he uses the man or the woman. We'll be able to see through our curriculum that men are designed to be the aggressor, so oftentimes the man will use the woman to dry up the sex within the marriage. God, the devil doesn't care if he uses the man or the woman. But today we're going to see as women how we can avoid letting it be us in areas maybe that we could pray for our husband if the devil tries to, to get him to get off, off, off track. So sin perverts sex and destroys God's beautiful plan. Before marriage, sin hypersexes both men and women. Unfortunately, after marriage, sin works to snuff out the sex drive and kill marital romance and intimacy. This lesson is designed to help women rekindle their sex desire for their husband and refresh their marriage. And some, for some women, it may be kindling, period. You may not be rekindling anything. You may be starting a fire all over again. But we can always move forward. And, and faith causes us to grow in the things of God. When we're walking with God, we should be growing in the things of God. And marital intimacy and desire for our husband is a thing of God. It's in the scriptures. It's in God's holy word. It's part of his blueprint and design. I think some religion or even, you know, when you become a Christian, you know, you're not supposed to act like the world and the world is lustful. They, you know, they, hands down, they just, they throw caution to the wind. They don't care. So I think sometimes when you become a Christian or you're taught to act like a lady, we forget to teach our young girls that sex is good with your husband. It should be a good thing. It's not a dirty thing to have sex with your husband. It's not a dirty thing to desire sex with your husband. It's not a dirty thing to want to be intimate with your husband and, and to share your bodies and your hearts together at the same time. It's not a bad thing. So we'll be able to look at some scriptures to help us with that because it, it does come back to our heart. The laundry has to get done either way. You can enjoy it or you can dread it and mumble and groan the whole time. Just like intimacy with your husband, it needs to get done either way. You can enjoy it and rejoice in that time, and it can be a refreshing to you, or you can grumble and basically just lay there. And that's not what God wants for us. God wants us to enjoy that union together. He wants us to enjoy that intimacy together. And if your heart's not there, we'll be able to look at these scriptures. You can put that in your heart. Pastor Chris has taught us how to change our heart. We know how to get things in. We know how to get things out. And it does take work to do that initially. Just like uh, perfecting a, a Bible time or a prayer time, you may really have to put your flesh under in the, the beginning. No flesh. We are getting up at 6 o'clock, so we have an hour to pray and read our Bible. But once you get the wheels going, so to speak, and you get that momentum, then your heart begins to kick in, and you begin to enjoy that time as well. 
So don't beat yourself up if your heart, you see you fall short in the desire or the intimacy with your husband. Know that it can start fresh today. You can change that aspect of your heart today and your marriage can get better and better and better going forward. So our first section is understanding your husband. Again, it's important to understand how God designed your husband so you don't get irritated or mad when he does exactly what God designed him to do. Wives, you must understand how your husband is made. He is a visual creature and operates on sight. You know, the world knows that. You watch TV. We, we mentioned in another curriculum that the world uses sex in a woman's body to sell everything, from toothpaste to contact lenses, because they know that men are geared by God to like to look at the woman's body. Wife, you need to know that about your husband. He likes to look at your body. He's created by God to want to see your body. That's a good thing. God has designed him to want you and to keep wanting you. You cannot shut this off. To attempt it is vain. The word of God propels him to want you. If the word of God is propelling him and designed him to want you as his spouse, to want to be with you, to want to see you, to want to have intimacy, to want to have sex with you, and you shut that off, you're just causing problems because God's pushing him forward in that direction. And you're saying, no, honey, stop it, don't. I don't want to do that. I don't have time, whatever. So it's important for us to know how God created our husbands. So just like with encouraging him in the things of God, we can help him do this part of God's word as well. <laughs> Proverbs 5, 15, 18, and 19, the first scripture we'll look at. Drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. Our curriculum reads, wells and cisterns are allegory for marital sex. When it, in the Old Testament, when it talks about water and running water, it's talking about the sex drive. And a cistern is a covered, protected body of water. That's what you as a wife are supposed to be for your husband, a covered, protected body of water, which means only you and your husband. You know, that right away says fornication, adultery, none of that fits for you to be a covered, protected body of water. Just like folks that would use a cistern, if they didn't get rained for several days, they would go to that body of water, take the lid off because it was covered, and draw out water. The thing about that water is that it was pure water. It refreshed them. It gave them life. That's what marital intimacy, marital sex is designed to do for your relationship. When your husband comes to you to draw out of your sister and your covered, protected body of water, it's designed to refresh him, to refresh you, to refresh your marriage, to bring life to it. If that covered body of water has dirt in it, you know, the contrast would be drinking water from a dirty mud puddle. You know, when we have sex outside of God's blueprint or we have intimacy, lust outside of God's holy design, we feel dirty, you look dirty, it changes who you are. When you do things outside of God's blueprint, it messes things up. We know it brings STDs. We know it brings babies before marriage. We know it can bring you a baby before marriage. It's not God's design. So for, for, for marriage, you, wife, are a covered, protected body of water. 
that brings life and refreshing to your marriage, to your husband. That's an exciting thing to know that you can refresh him. He could have a bad day at work and he can come home to that protected body of water. You know, in a sense, he's dehydrated. In a sense, he's so thirsty, he needs something to drink because it's just been rough all day long. But he can come home, remove that lid and draw waters out, have intimacy with his wife and be refreshed. It could have been hard all day at work, but he feels like a new man now. I mean, even when you're thirsty in the natural and you get a drink of cold water or cold Coca-Cola, something just feels good. You just feel better. That's what you're designed to be for your husband. So your husband is commanded to drink waters out of his cistern to have sex with his wife. Your husband is commanded to rejoice or have sex with you, to be satisfied with your breast, and to be ravished or drunk with your love. This is as much a biblical command as forgive one another. So we see he's commanded to have sex with you. He's commanded to enjoy your breast, wife. Men like breasts. It is important for you to know that. Your husband likes your breast. Every man is geared the same way, so we could teach it as well. Every man, every man likes breasts. They were designed by God to. So you should cover yours up, except for when you're at home with your husband. Let him enjoy your breasts. Not everyone at work, not everyone at church, not everyone you see at the grocery store. Your breasts are for your husband to enjoy, and he is, he is going to enjoy them. Hollywood knows this. Fashion knows this. You know, we see it on commercials. We know that we can, if the media can pick up on it, why can't we as Christian women pick up on the fact that our husband like breasts, that he's designed to? And this is as much a biblical command as forgive one another. So we see it's important to understand our husband, to understand his design, to understand, you know, why is he touching me? Why is he always poking, groping? Why is he always wanting to have sex? Why is he always wanting to, you know, to flirt with me and do these things? He's created by God to. He's created by God. You know, if you wake up and your husband's hands are on you, he's doing the Bible. We shouldn't be irritated with that. And we can laugh about it, but he's designed by God to want you. As a wife, you shouldn't rejoice that your husband never wants to put his hands on you. That should, that's a scary place for your marriage to be. But many women... For because it's not in their heart or they're too tired or they don't want to, mostly it comes back to the heart. It's not in their heart to have that time with their husband. Can get excited. Oh, he hasn't, he hasn't wanted to have sex in three days. Oh, and you're not upset about that when normally it's an everyday occurrence for you. That should be a, an indicator to you that something's wrong with your husband. Maybe he's dealing with something. Maybe he's stressed about something. Why isn't he wanting what he normally wants from me? because he's designed to want that from you. So we shouldn't rejoice, you know, when we don't, when we wake up and our husband's hands, hands aren't on us. You should be happy when he is doing the Bible and wanting to do so. Just like that lawnmower, we don't get mad that it doesn't blow snow. We know it doesn't. We should know that this is how God has created our husbands to be. Song of Solomon 7.10 says, I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. This husband here is doing the Bible. His, his desire is toward his spouse. God said so. Would you rather his desire be toward someone else? I think everyone would say no to that, but we have to make sure that it is in our heart. Truly, 
that we don't want his desire to be for someone else, that we do want his desire to be for us as wives. Because if, you know, in rational thinking, no one would say, yeah, I want my husband to want someone other than me. That would break a woman's heart. But we have to make sure that our heart is not hurting our husband at the same time, not preventing him from, from honoring God and, and doing what he was created to do by God, to be the aggressor in our marriage. Song of Solomon 4, 9 and 10 reads, Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes, with one chain of thy neck. How fair is thy love, my sister, my spouse. How much better is thy love than wine, and the smell of thine ointments than all spices. So this is Solomon speaking, and here he's confessing what Proverbs has already declared to us. He's ravished or drunk with the thought of his wife. Just the thought of his wife, he's writing it down. He's so excited to be even thinking about her. With just the thought of her, the way she looks at him, and when he looked back at her, the Bible even records that he likes the way his wife smells. He also liked, he noticed her neck, he noticed her eyes. You know, and women still accentuate those things today. We wear eye makeup, we, you know, we uh, wear earrings, we wear necklaces to draw attention to our necks. Men are designed to like the lady's body. They are designed to like that. And this husband was writing about it. He was so excited even just thinking about his wife's body, even the way she smelled. There's a lot of power in the way a woman smells. You should take care of yourself. You should wear perfume that your husband, excuse me, your husband likes. If you're wearing perfume you know he doesn't like, you should ask yourself, who am I wearing this perfume for? If I know that my husband doesn't like something, I'm not going to wear it. Why, what, what are you wearing it for, if not for your husband? So the Bible even records that he likes the way his wife smells. Wives, make sure your heart is toward your husband when you perfume up and not any other man. And you could say that for the way you dress, the way you carry yourself, the way you fix your hair. You know, are you doing it for your husband or are you doing it to draw attention from the co-workers at work? Because men are created equal in this regard. This isn't just for Christian men written, Christian married men. This is for the, the heathen man. This is for the single man. This is for the backslidden man. All men are created equal to like the way a woman's body looks. So you should ask yourself, when I'm getting ready, who am I getting ready for? The eyes, the neck, all of it is designed by God for some form or fashion to attract your husband, for him to enjoy. You know, as a woman, I don't get that. But my husband's even told me, you know, with us talking about this, that many men find a neck very sexy on a woman. To me, it holds my head up. But for, you know, but for some reason, that's the way God created it to be. That's the way God designed for it to be with men. So Song of Solomon 4-5, our next scripture, we're looking a lot at Song of Solomon because it is a romantic book. It's a book of poetry. It's two lovebirds talking back and forth. And God saw fit to put it in the Holy Scriptures. So it's important for us to study that as well. 4-5 says, Thy two breasts are like two young rows that are twins which feed among the lilies. So we see here, he is thinking about her breasts again. Women, you need to understand your husband likes your breasts. He's probably thinking about your breasts this morning. If he saw you get ready this morning, that's still probably what's in his mind. Men like their wives' breasts. It's important to know that. The Bible records a conversation where Solomon is talking about his wife's breasts. 
Solomon was looking at them and thinking about them to the point where he began to talk about them out loud. So he was thinking about them so much, he started talking about them. And God put that in his scripture. He saw fit to let that be part of the Holy Scriptures. Just as much as forgive one another or God so loved the world, this is in God's, God's word. So wife, your husband is thinking about your breast. This is of God and it is good. These scriptures showing us God's plan about our husband. We shouldn't desire to stop it. We shouldn't rejoice if it's not there. If it's not there, we should pray for our husband and say, Lord, what's going on with him? Why doesn't he act this way? Is there something that I'm doing wrong? Is he facing something at work? Is he stressed about something? You know, help me to help my husband in this regard. Help me to help my husband propel forward in this area of God as well as everything else. So our second, our second uh, section of this curriculum is motivating yourself as a wife. These scriptures are designed for us to get it in our heart, to not just say, yes, honey, I'll give you what I know you, you desire or what you deserve, but for us as wives to desire that in return, to want that intimacy with our husband, to want that romance with our husband, to want that time with our husband. And if it's not there, we can pray these scriptures to get it in there. We can, we can turn the boat around, so to speak. Our curriculum says, unfortunately, Many wives lose their desire for their husband. This is a dangerous place to find your marriage. What began as a nervous, joyful anticipation on the wedding night can slowly become a bitter dread. A wife must guard her marriage against such a slow drift into sin. If a wife does not care for her husband, the devil has plenty of candidates that will. And we're not promoting that. You know, Pastor Chris isn't promoting that. I'm not promoting that. But you have to understand that if you don't want to take care of your husband, the devil, ha I mean, he seeks to destroy marriages. That's his goal. He wants to ruin marriages. So it is important for this to be in our heart. It is not just as important for us to understand why our husband is the way he is, but to understand that it's important for us to keep sin out of our marriage to keep ourselves from growing cold to our husband. Just like with our walk with God, you get born again, you get excited, you're at every service, you're going to every evangelism, telling your whole family about Jesus. But if you're not careful to maintain that, that fervor and that zeal for the Lord can dry up. Just like with your husband, when you're dating, you're excited, you're anticipated when he texts you, when he calls you, can't wait for that first kiss. Oh my, when's he gonna kiss me? When is he going to kiss me? Do I have stinky breath just in case he kissed me tonight? But if you're not careful, after you say, I do, he does kiss you. you, you do begin having marital intimacy. You're having sex with one another. It can be exciting for a while, but if you're not careful, that zeal and that joy can dry up just the same. And that's what we want to make sure that we're careful to prevent. So if a wife, if you don't care for your husband, the devil has plenty of candidates that will. Below are some scriptures that you can pray over yourself to rekindle the flames of romance. You know, to start a fire or to build up a fire may take a little bit of work. But if we get it in our heart that this is what I want, this is God's design, then that work doesn't feel like work. That work becomes something that you enjoy doing and that you want to do. Our first scripture, Song of Solomon 1-2 says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. 
Solomon's wife made this statement in the opening of Song of Solomon. She longs for her husband to kiss her. She is asking to be kissed. This verse is as much the word of God, for God so loved the world. So wives, you can pray yourself affectionate and romantic. His kiss can make your heart pitter-pat again if you want to. You can get that back in your heart. That word kiss, the, he, the uh, Hebrew word is to kindle a fire. So you know if, if you're like, oh me, let this be your prayer every day. Father, I, I desire the kisses of my husband. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Let me enjoy that from my husband. Let it not just be something that I put up with. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Song of Solomon 7, 10 through 12 reads, I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. So we saw that in the beginning. Now we're going to get to see the rest of this passage. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to go to the vineyards. So she says, let's, let's do these things together. This couple has fellowship with one another. You know, they're doing things together. They're not just going to work, coming home, having dinner, going to bed. They're enjoying time with one another. They have a friendship. She says, let us see if the vine flourish, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. So there, she's saying, there we will have sex. There we will have marital intimacy. There we're going to make love. Let's go frolic out and about, do all these fun things. And when we get to the end, I'm going to give you my loves. I'm going to make love to you. Don't you know that made that man's day? <laughs> He probably couldn't think about the pomegranates or the vine or anything. He's like, let's just get to the last part. <laughs> but this shows us that she's daydreaming about how she's going to make love to her husband. That's not a dread for her. That's not a work for her. She's so excited. She's planning it out. She's thinking about it. Just like you plan your meals for your family. You know, you plan your evenings. You plan daycare. She's planning time with her husband, and she's excited about it. So this verse speaks of their friendship and the fact that, that they are doing things together as a couple. Married couples should do things together. You know, you're not ever going to find yourself making love if you're never doing things together. You can't be in two separate places and have marital intimacy at the same time. So they're hanging out together. Along the way, she says, I will give you my loves. I will give you sex. Apparently, she likes being intimate everywhere village or vineyard so she doesn't care she just wants to be with her husband you know we're not promoting pda and all that stuff don't get yourself arrested but have fun with your husband have fun with your spouse this was her idea i think that's probably the most important part from the scripture she planned this day you know, we were able to see that, yes, men are the aggressors. Yes, he's the, the dominant one in that aspect from our first section. But we can see from this passage as well, wives, it is okay for you to say, honey, let's do this and make love. It's okay for you to want that from your spouse. It was her idea. Perhaps somewhere along the way we got taught it can't be your idea. You just are the submitter. He's the aggressor. You're the submitter. But this man was a happy man, I guarantee it, that day. And your husband would be too if you have that in your heart to say, I desire it so much, I can't wait for him to aggress me. I desire it so much, that time with him, that I'm pursuing him. I'm planning this out for us. So amen. Genesis 26.8 says, 
And it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. Now, just briefly, you know, they had said they were brother and sister. So this king thinks that they're brother and sister, but apparently they're doing something together that makes him think they are not brother and sister. These people are more than brother and sister. They are husband and wife. I am in trouble here. So with that, we see she submitted to it. She's enjoying it. She's not running away. She's not pushing him away. She's enjoying this time with her husband. They probably think they're alone because he's looking out from a tower, but she's happy to be doing it. She's not dreading it, not hating it. It doesn't look like it's a forced thing on her. She's participating happily, enough so that this king says, I am in trouble. They are not brother and sister. Here, Isaac and Rebekah were not at home, but somewhere out and about where the king happened to see them sporting, and the NIV translates that as caressing. The two were in love and desired one another. So you know, they were in this field or wherever, probably making out. You know, you don't do that with your brother or your sister. But she was enjoying it. She was submitting to it. She was happy to be part of it. It wasn't something that she was... He could tell, the king could tell, these two were in this together. He's not hurting her. He's not forcing her. They're enjoying this together. So we can see from that scripture that we should enjoy it together with our husband. It shouldn't be just something that we submit to. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 and 4 reads, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her body, but the husband. And likewise, also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. We see here, wife, your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your husband. Your husband's body belongs to you. You should be able to go back up those two scriptures and say, honey, your body belongs to me. I think I need to put it in the bedroom right now. But many wives don't take advantage of this scripture because it's not in their heart. But we see from this scripture, it can be in our heart, and we should pray that it is in our heart, to have that longing for our spouse, to have that intimacy, that desire, that time with our spouse together. One translation renders due benevolence as conjugal duty. A godly woman has certain duties, as does a godly man. One of these is to sexually care for her husband. Contrary to feminist doctrine, God says in his holy word that women don't have authority over their body, but their husband does. You know, you could teach that a bunch of different ways. If your husband doesn't want you wearing something, wife, it's his body. You should wear what he asks you to wear. So the important part of that, though, is that your, your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your husband the same way your husband's body belongs to you. Thank God had to put that in there to remind us, hey, both spouses, when your, your, your partner, your, 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 your mate is needing some intimate time with you, you need to adhere to that, both sides of the spectrum. We need to adhere to that and enjoy it. So the next page, our scripture says, 1 Corinthians 7, 5, says, defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So this is Paul saying, don't defraud one another, except it be with consent for a time. He's talking about sex. 
don't hold sex from don't withhold sex or marital intimacy don't withhold making love with your your spouse except it be for a season and he's saying that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and pastor chris and i were talking and you guys can probably all relate that god doesn't ask you to fast something unless it's a big deal in your life he doesn't ask you to fast pop tarts if you never even buy pop tarts because it's not a stronghold in your life. These couples in Corinth, they so enjoyed having sex with their spouses that God had to say, hey, why don't you put this on hold just for a little bit, pray and fast, and then come back together again. Many American marriages do not fall into this category. God doesn't have to touch something that's not a big deal to you. God doesn't have to ask you to put something down for a season that isn't hard for you to put down. You know, he may ask you, if you drink coffee every day, he may say, fast the coffee. Pastor Chris talks about he fasts coffee from time to time. That's done every day, two and three times a day. That's where these people were with making love with their spouses. They so enjoyed it that much. They so had, they were thinking about it. They were doing it. It consumed them almost. It, it was a consumption for them. We know God asks us to fast, you know, fast food if that's all we're ever eating. But many American couples, God's not ever going to have to ask us to fast marital intimacy because it just isn't a big enough deal to us. But we see from this scripture that it can be and it should be. That, that's God's design for every marriage to say, all right, put it on hold for a while. You need to come to the house of God and pray. For every couple, <laughs> but that's his design for, for every married couple. He could, he could call all of us by name and say, Pastor Chris and Miss Amanda, I want you to put it on hold for a while because you need to seek me about some things. But many of us don't fall into that category. So within marriage, back to our curriculum, the Bible calls withholding sex as fraud. You are defrauding your spouse. The Greek word for defraud here literally means to deprive through separation. A sex-deprived, fraudulent marriage will not last. Sex is not to be a negotiating tool. It is the ultimate act of intimacy. It should be important to your heart for your husband to want you. That should be important to you. It's in the Word, and it needs to be in your heart. If we can call ourselves godly women. It needs to be important to us. It doesn't need to be a manipulating thing, or like the curriculum says, a negotiating thing, or okay if you insist thing. It needs to be in our hearts. These couples in Corinth had it overflowing out of their hearts. We can get our, all of us can get our marriages to that place too if we want to, if we want it in our hearts that much, if it's not there already. So we were able to see how God created our husbands with the first section, how us as wives can get this in our heart to receive how God created our husband to be. And then our last little part here is for single women. The first part applies to you when you get married, obviously, and you can be praying about that now, but there are ways for single women to act and behave as well. Though you may currently be single, these are Bible truths that will help you prepare your heart for marriage. Until the grand day of your betrothal, here are some scriptures to help you keep your heart and virginity safe. Song of Solomon 4.12 reads, a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. 
If you're a single woman, some key words to underline there would be enclosed, shut up, and sealed. You are cut off from any of the previous stuff we just talked about. I underlined them in my curriculum because this is speaking about your, your sex drive, your virginity. This verse speaks of the godly woman's sex drive and virginity. You know, she's not running around with heathen carnal people. Virginity is the greatest gift that you have to give to your husband. And if you don't keep it enclosed, shut up and sealed, then you'll end up not giving it to your husband, giving it to someone else along the way or many someone else's along the way. And that's not what God has for you. Her sexuality is referred to as a protected garden. It's important to her. She's not loose. She is chaste and modest. Her sexual drive is referred to as a spring shut up in a sealed fountain. She has not had sex with anyone but her husband. She has kept her sex drive in check, closed up, and protected. She has kept her fountain pure for the husband God has prepared for her. She has not shared her waters of sexual intimacy with any other man. You know, natural waters, if they're clean, they bring life to you. If they're polluted, they can hurt you. We mentioned it before, but when you have intimacy or sex outside of God's plan, it does hurt you. It hurts your soul. It hurts your emotions, especially as women. It hurts your emotions. It can hurt your physical body. It can hurt your future if you can't get over your past. So it can hurt us, and God doesn't want that for us. But our culture does. Our culture wants to rape you of your virginity. Our culture wants to take it away and make it okay for men to look at you, men to touch you, and you're crazy if you haven't already had sex with two or three or four or however many. But God's word is true and it never changes and he wants it the best for us and his way is always best and for single women enclosed shut up and sealed is god's best for you song of solomon 2 7 reads awaken not love before the time single ladies you have to guard your heart when men start calling on you walk with god and look to him for his approval of any man interested in you do not look to your own heart or emotions. This can hurt you because the Bible tells us sin has pleasure for a season. So you may be all excited and it may be all fun and you feel great about it, but it may not be God's will for you. Pastor Chris has talked about the CD recently and I think we even gave it away to families a while back. Seven ways to check your leadings from Dr. Barclay. That's a good place to check your leadings, to make sure you're not dating the wrong person, in, engaged to the wrong person, marrying the wrong person, to make sure that you are going to end up with God's best for your life. Because you can't trust your emotions when it comes to that. When you awaken that love before the time and your heart starts getting attached, your brain quits working for some reason on a lot of young ladies. And we don't want that. God doesn't want that. In the New Century version of that, it says not to waken or excite my feelings of love until it is ready. So that version brings out that love can excite your feelings. We're not led by feelings, but we're led by the Spirit of God. And we're led by His truths, by our leadership, by our parents, you know, by our pastor. That CD can give you all the rest of the ways you can check your leadings. But we're led by God, not by it just feels good or I really like this or I'm having a lot of fun. 2 Timothy 5.2 reads, Entreat the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity, clean, chaste, and innocent. So here we see you're to carry yourself with discretion and godliness. 
And if you do, men will treat you that way. If you carry yourself professional and elegant and you're well put together, people will automatically just respect you. If you carry yourself carelessly or recklessly or like a floozy, that's how men are going to, going to react to you. That's how people are going to treat you. Pastor Chris and I were at Walmart on Friday, I think. There were all manner of people in Walmart on Friday. But there was this one lady dressed like Audrey Hepburn. She had on a little black dress and some low heels, and her hair was pulled up, and she just looked nice. She carried herself differently. The checkout people treated her differently because she was dressed like a lady, acting like a lady, looked elegant. She wasn't, you know, we saw them also with the short shorts, the pockets hanging out, their, their things pierced, all sorts of stuff. Those people wouldn't be treated the same way. You know, you probably automatically call the lady in a dress ma'am. But maybe you wouldn't if you saw some girl with things hanging out and short shorts on and looking loose. You maybe wouldn't say ma'am to her. You would think, I need to witness to her. That's really what you would think. So it's important how we carry ourselves as single women. Be chaste and holy. Your brothers in Christ are commanded to treat you this way. But if they don't act, if you don't act the part, they again, they're thinking they need to tell you about Jesus. You will generally be treated the way you act and carry yourself. Sexuality is part of woman's design. Seek to glorify God in this gift from him. The Bible will teach you how to do it. Follow the Bible's plan for your life and you cannot fail. So with this curriculum, hopefully you're able to see, we studied eight before this, how we're supposed to clean the house and take care of the husband and pray for the husband and how godly women acted and carried themselves, how the Proverbs 31 acted and carried herself, how we should act and carry ourselves. All of this is just as much the Bible as the last eight lessons that we studied. All of this is just as important. And just as we mentioned, you know, sex is sometimes as Christians deemed to be dirty or it shouldn't be talked about. And probably not with your girlfriends, no. But with your husband, yes, you need to have that open communication with your husband. You need to be able to talk about things because intimacy isn't just sex. It isn't just you laying down and submitting to your husband, but it's your heart's connecting. It's your soul's connecting. It's you connecting. You know, you don't get naked for anyone else. That in and of itself is a humbling thing. So it needs to be important to us. It needs to be something that we enjoy, that we love to do with our husbands, not just that we give in to because we know our husband needs it. If you're facing anything, whether it's past, whether it's hurt, you don't find yourself in these passages, you can pray yourself there. Pastor Chris has taught us how to get it in our heart to have whatever it is we need to have in our heart. You know, we know we have to fast other things that speak contrary and we have to focus on God's word and we can pray those things into us. Amen. Hopefully this curriculum was a blessing to you.